So every follower of Jesus is involved in a battle against sin and against Satan. Every day and, and throughout the day, temptations are pulling us. Satan is trying to draw us to be discouraged, to be tempted, to start to think that something else is going to satisfy us more than the presence of Jesus Christ. We're in a battle every day. And if you aren't, don't think you're in a battle, then you need to wake up because you're losing ground. We are all in a battle. And what we're going to learn in today's passage in Exodus is some crucial truths to help us understand this battle and to help us know how to fight this battle. Now, here's some backgrounds to what's going on. We're studying Exodus. And God has promised his people, the people of Israel, to take them to the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, where he's going to bless them and through them bring to earth the Messiah, Jesus Christ, whose death will pay for the guilt and the sins of everyone who trusts him. Amazing. So lots is at stake in this book because as Exodus begins, God's people are not in the promised land. They are in Egypt and they are slaves in Egypt, horribly oppressed with slave labor, hard, brutal existence they're going through. But God has made his promise and God is going to fulfill his promise. Never doubt that God keeps his promises. And so God raises up Moses and Aaron and he tells them, go tell Pharaoh, God says, let my people go. And in these chapters, we see Pharaoh again and again, we're going to see him saying no. And then God bringing plagues upon Egypt. And we're going to learn from all this back and forth, today's passage, five essential truths so that we can understand the battle we're in and fight more effectively the battle that we're in. So let's turn to Exodus chapter 7. We're going to start with verse 8. And this first essential truth that we're going to see in this section is this. It might shock you, but it's crucial to see that Satan can work false signs and wonders. We're going to see it right here, starting in verse 8. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When Pharaoh says to you, Prove yourselves by working a miracle. Then you, Moses, shall say to Aaron, take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Now imagine, there you see Aaron, he throws his staff down, this wooden staff, down on the ground, and it becomes a serpent slithering around. So clearly, this is the power of God that's at work here. But now look at verse 11. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. So God's more powerful, but still they're working these miracles. 
Still, verse 13, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Now, now here's the question. How can Pharaoh's magicians, sorcerers, work this miracle, the same miracle that Aaron did? How is that possible? It's possible because God, who has all authority over everything, allows Satan to work false signs and wonders. Now, this is crucial for us to understand because otherwise we might be deceived. Let's say, for example, that somebody comes into Abu Dhabi and plans on holding a series of big meetings, and, and in these meetings, this person really genuinely heals the sick. Like, no smoke and mirrors. People are healed, and genuine miracles take place. And specific prophecies are spoken about people that are actually right on the money. I mean, miracles, signs and wonders, amazing things happen. And we could all assume this person must be from God because they're working miracles here. And therefore, because they're from God, whatever they say must be true. But that would be a mistake. Be a big mistake. Because Satan can work false signs, and wonders. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 24. He said, For false Christs and false prophets will arise. This will happen. Will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect, even God's chosen ones, God's people. So here's the question. How can we tell if someone who works miracles is speaking truth from God? How can we tell? It's simple. It's by comparing what they teach with the Word of God. Compare them. N not, not by miracles, but by comparing what they teach with what's in the Word of God. If what they teach contradicts the Word of God, then no matter how many amazing miracles they've worked, they are not from God. So church, do we, are we clear on that? This is so important we understand that. It's right here in the book of Exodus. False signs and wonders. God allows Satan to work false signs and wonders. This is a crucial truth that we have to understand if we're going to move ahead in this battle. Second truth. Obeying God can make things worse at first. Okay, I would guess that some of you, maybe in the last week or two or three, have taken a fresh new step of obedience. Okay, Lord, I want to step out. I know you're calling me to do this. I'm going to step out. And you've stepped out in obedience, and things have gone worse in terms of your circumstances or the situation. Well, look at this passage. Start with verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he's going out to the water. Stand on the bank of the Nile to meet him and take in your hand the staff that turned into a serpent. And you shall say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, sent me to you, saying, Let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness, but so far you have not obeyed. 
Thus says the Lord, By this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, with the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water that is in the Nile, and it shall turn to blood. The fish in the Nile shall die, and the Nile will stink, and the Egyptians will grow weary of drinking water from the Nile. And the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their rivers, their canals, and their ponds, and all their pools of water, so that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, even in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded. They obeyed God right here. They did as the Lord commanded. In the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants, he lifted up the staff and struck the water in the Nile, and all the water in the Nile turned into blood. And the fish in the Nile died, and the Nile stank, so that the Egyptians could not drink water from the Nile. There was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. So Moses and Aaron did exactly what God called them to do. They struck the water, it turns into blood, just exactly what God said. But then look what happens next. Verse 22. But the magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret arts. So Pharaoh's heart remained hardened, and he would not listen to them. As the Lord had said, Pharaoh turned and went into his house. He did not take even this to heart. And all the Egyptians dug along the Nile for water to drink, for they could not drink the water of the Nile. Seven full days passed after the Lord had struck the Nile. So even though Moses and Aaron obeyed God, what happened was then the magicians, Pharaoh's magicians, did the same miracle, and Pharaoh's heart stayed hard. Now, this could have discouraged Moses and Pharaoh, except that they had learned. Remember, Moses before had said to God, if Pharaoh says no to me, which he just did. How are God's people ever going to say to no to me? And, and, and God's, Pharaoh, Moses is understanding now that God's in control of every single thing that happens. So Moses and Aaron could have been discouraged. It didn't because of what we see next. But this sort of thing can discourage us as well. Again, if you have taken a fresh step of obedience recently, and your circumstances have gotten worse... That can discourage us because we can think that, well, isn't it true that every time you obey God, all your circumstances get better? Isn't that what happens? Isn't that what the Bible teaches? Well, oftentimes things will get better, but sometimes it gets worse. That's what we see in the Bible. Think about Jeremiah. Remember, God called Jeremiah, go to Israel and, and tell them about the judgment that is coming. And Jeremiah went to Israel, told them that, and they threw him into a deep pit where he sank into mud up to his chest. I mean, it's like that would have been frightening to be in this well. Or think about Stephen in Acts chapter 7, boldly preaching the truth of Jesus Christ, obeying, preaching, and he gets killed. Or Paul. The Holy Spirit was telling Paul, go to Jerusalem, go to Jerusalem. And Paul went to Jerusalem and he was arrested. Now, don't misunderstand. 
Jesus promises, jot down John chapter 14, verses 21 through 23. Jesus does promise that when we walk in the path of obedience, we will experience more of his love poured into our hearts, more joy in his presence, more of his nearness. He promises that will happen as we move ahead in obedience. But sometimes our circumstances will get worse. That can happen. It's happening here in the book of Exodus. And so when that happens, and if that's happening to you right now, don't think, well, I must be outside of God's will. Don't think God must have stopped loving me. No, understand, God is in control. This happens sometimes. God is even going to use this setback, this difficulty to bring great good, as Romans 8.28 promises. So if you're on the path of obedience and things get worse, realize that's just what happens at first. We're going to see Israel delivered from Egypt. That's what's going to end up happening. And that's what you will all experience. That's the second crucial truth. Obeying God can make things worse. What are the next two words? At first. Did you all catch that? One more time. Obeying God can make things worse when? At first. Okay, just I hope you really believe that. That's the, what the word says. All right. Third crucial truth. We talked about this last week. It's in the passage again for today. I want to, it'll be in next week's passage as well. People's choices are under God's control. Look at chapter 8, verses 1 through 15. So we're in the, just, you see what's going on here. We got no, Pharaoh says no, plagues come. Pharaoh says no, plagues come. We're in this whole series here. It'll be happening next week's passage as well. So start with verse 1 of chapter 8. Then the Lord said to Moses, go into Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will plague all your country with frogs. The Nile shall swarm with frogs. It shall come up into your house and into your bedroom and on your bed. Can you imagine rolling over at night? Uh, and into the houses of your servants and your people, into your ovens and your kneading bowls. The frogs shall come up on you and your people and on all your servants. And the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the rivers, over the canals, over the pools, and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt. And the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. But the magicians did the same by their secret arts and made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Plead with the Lord to take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, Be pleased to command me when I'm to plead for you and for your servants and for your people, that the frogs be cut off from you and your houses and be left only in the Nile. So when should I pray? And he, Pharaoh, said, Tomorrow. Moses said, be it as you say, so that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. The frogs shall go away from you and your houses and your servants and your people. They shall be left only in the Nile. So Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried to the Lord about the frogs as he had agreed with Pharaoh, and the Lord did according to the word of Moses. The frogs died out in the houses, the courtyards, and the fields, and they gathered them together in heaps 
and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was a respite, he hardened his heart and would not listen to them as the Lord had said. So Aaron stretches out his staff and suddenly frogs everywhere. Swarms, multiple frogs everywhere, covering the street, under your feet where you're walking, in your sink, in your shower, in your bed. Pharaoh understandably says, ask God to take them away. Maybe he's having a change of heart. Moses prays the next morning, and instantly, frogs die. Every frog in the land there, dead. And what did Pharaoh do? How does he respond? Look at verse 15 again. But when Pharaoh saw that there was a respite, he hardened his heart and would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. Now what we have seen in Exodus and what we will keep seeing is that sometimes the author says that Pharaoh hardens his heart, and sometimes he says that God hardens Pharaoh's heart. So we might think, well, sometimes it's that Pharaoh's choosing to harden his heart and God has nothing to do with it. He's just standing back watching. Or sometimes God's hardening Pharaoh's heart. In that case, Pharaoh's like a a robot, not really making a real decision. That's not the case. The reason why is notice the last five words of verse 15. So he hardened his heart, Pharaoh hardened his heart, would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Now, what had the Lord said before about Pharaoh's hardness of heart? He said something twice before, chapter 4, verse 21, and chapter 7, verse 3, and in both times he says, God, I, God, will harden Pharaoh's heart. Which means that here, even when Pharaoh hardens his own heart, God's choice is behind Pharaoh's choice. God's ordained, this is part of God's plan, God's purpose, what God has willed to take place. Even when Pharaoh is making his real, authentic choice, God's sovereignty is behind that choice, bringing that choice about. Now, like I said last week, this is a big topic, the whole question of how does God's sovereignty relate to our genuine, authentic choices. And I would encourage you all to study that topic in the scriptures. It's not an easy topic, but I have found so much encouragement and strength and help and hope in studying this topic, I commend it to you. You won't get all your answers, all your questions answered, but you will get lots of your questions answered and your faith will grow strong. So work on this. Just start working on it. Start working away at it. What I've seen throughout the scriptures taught again and again and again is that while we make real, authentic choices, God's sovereignty is behind those choices. He's sovereign over our choices. Now here's here's a practical way that this helps us in the battle. What this means is, whenever someone does something to you harmful or hurtful, like your boss, possibly, or a neighbor, or a friend, Whenever somebody does something that's harmful to you, you can think in your mind what Joseph said to his brothers in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. 
It's an amazing thing to think about for God's people. Anytime anyone harms you, hurts you, they've done evil, wrong what they did. But at the same time, as they were meaning wrong, God was meaning that, planning that, ordaining that for good. And what this does, it just gives me hope. I would guess some of you are feeling hopeless because of someone in your life right now who's, who's bringing harm, who's causing you pain, who's causing you difficulty. And what you should understand in your mind is that as wrong as that is what they are doing, God is in sovereign control of that. And he's saying, trust me. Trust me. This is not random. This is not meaningless. Trust me. This is part of my loving, wise, caring plan for you. We can pray that it goes away. We can pray any different ways. We don't know exactly how God's going to do it, but the day will come where we will say, yes, Lord, I see it. I see what you've done through that. So trust him now before that. So that's the truth here is that people's choices are under God's control. Fourth crucial truth about this battle. Well, this is so important for us to see. Sin can powerfully deceive us. I, I would say none of us sees this clearly enough. I don't, none of us does. But, but look here at what goes on in verses 16 through 19. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth so that it may become gnats in all the land of Egypt. And they did so. Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff, struck the dust of the earth, and there were gnats on man and beast. All the dust of the earth became gnats in all the land of Egypt. The magicians tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. See, so God's power is definitely infinitely more than these magicians because he's, he's allowed them to have a little bit of power. Here he takes it away, leaves them. So there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magicians said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. So imagine that you're Pharaoh. One moment, no gnats in Egypt. Then you see Aaron stretch out his staff and strike the dust of the earth and gnats everywhere. Filled with gnats, covering man and beast, as the author says. Now, so far, your magicians have been able to duplicate Moses and Aaron's signs, but not this time. Not this time. The magicians strike the dust of the earth. Just dust. Strike it harder. Okay? Nothing happens. And so the magicians say, that's God. What Aaron did with his staff, this is the living God. And they say to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. Pharaoh, this is God's power we're dealing with here. Listen to us. This is God's power. But even though Pharaoh has seen, same thing the magicians had seen, that Aaron brought the gnats and the magicians could not repeat that, even though Pharaoh had seen the exact same thing, he won't admit it. Now, why? Well, we know ultimately God's in control of everything. We know that. But in terms of what's going on in Pharaoh's own heart, what's happening here is that his sin is deceiving him. 
The Bible talks about how sin is deceptive. And the word deceived means, uh, uh, can you tell when you're being deceived by something? No. If you're deceived, you don't think you're deceived. But you are deceived, right? You can't tell when you're being deceived. You think you're tracking with reality. You think you're tracking with the truth. But when you're deceived, you are believing things that are not true. And that's what our sin can do to us. Even those of us who've been saved, born again, trusting Jesus Christ, forgiven for our sins, in God's family, adopted into God's family, we need to understand Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, says that we still can be deceived. The author of Hebrews says, encourage one another day after day, as long as it's still called today, lest any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. He's speaking to believers there. So brothers and sisters, any of us, all of us can be deceived by sin. I mean, have you ever experienced or known someone who became so angry at someone else that they started believing things that were just not true about that person? Anger can deceive us. Or temptations can so draw us, can so pull us, and so deceive us that we think, oh, there's nothing wrong with that. That's not really a problem. It's okay for me to do that. You ever experienced that? Or known somebody who experienced that? Sin can completely deceive us, can completely blind us so that we believe lies. That's what's happening to Pharaoh here. His sin is completely deceiving him. He's seeing an amazing miracle only done by God, and he denies it because he's deceived. And the same thing can happen to us. So Grace Church, I want to encourage you in terms of this battle that we are in, Understand that we can all be deceived, where, where you are thinking things that are not true. Sin can do that. Now, what can save us from that? Jesus Christ can save us from that. He will. When, whenever we turn to him and say, help me, help me, am I being deceived in some area? Search me, O God, Psalm 139, 23, and 24 says, Search me, O God, know my heart, try me, and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Lord, show me any way in which I'm being deceived. He will always answer that prayer. If you pray that meaningfully from the heart, he will always help you see deception that's in your heart. He's so gracious and so kind. I pray, Lord, I want to see my sin before the final. I want to see it now. I want to deal with it now. Help me to deal with it now. So pray that. So pray. And then read God's word. Read God's word and ask God, Lord, show me where I'm deceived. Because this is the truth. Anything that doesn't match this book is lie. Right? You got truth, and everything that's against this is lie. That's how we can discern whether we're being deceived or not. So when you open up the scriptures, say, God, today, if there's some area I'm being deceived, show me. And then third, we, we've prayed. We're asking God to help us. We're, we're reading the scriptures Talk to a brother in Christ. Talk to a sister in Christ. And say, let me just run something by you here. I'm kind of thinking about this and this and this. Is, is, that, is that the word? Is that, is, that, is that biblical truth? Or am I being deceived here? And then listen. Listen to what they say. So pray the word, your brothers and sisters. God will use all of those to keep us free from deception. But we have to understand we can be deceived. So church, we got that? So crucial to see that. We can be deceived. 
Now, one last crucial truth, so encouraging. Nothing can stop God's power. You can see that in verses 20 to 32. Long section here, very powerful what happens. Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself to Pharaoh as he goes out to the water and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. Or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants and your people and into your houses. And the houses of the Egyptians shall be filled with swarms of flies and also the ground on which they stand. But on that day I will set apart the land of Goshen, where my people dwell, so that no swarms of flies shall be there, that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. This is going to be amazing. That you'll know that I am the Lord. And then verse 23, Thus I will put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign shall happen. And the Lord did so. There came great swarms of flies into the house of Pharaoh and into his servants' houses. Throughout all the land of Egypt, the land was ruined by the swarms of flies. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Go, sacrifice to your God within the land. But Moses said, It would not be right to do so, for the offerings we shall sacrifice to the Lord our God are an abomination to the Egyptians. If we sacrifice offerings abominable to the Egyptians before their eyes, will they not stone us? We must go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he tells us. So Pharaoh said, I will let you go to sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only you must not go very far away. Plead for me. Then Moses said, Behold, I'm going out from you, and I will plead with the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, from his people tomorrow. Only let not Pharaoh cheat again by not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses went out from Pharaoh, prayed to the Lord, and the Lord did as Moses asked and removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, from his people. Not one remained. Isn't that amazing? But here's the deception again. Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also and did not let the people go. Now, what I want to focus in on this section is God has all the power. All power in heaven and on earth belongs to God. He has all power. We can see that, first of all, in that God had the flies cover every part of the land of Egypt except the land of Goshen, where the people of Israel lived. I mean, imagine standing in Egyptian territory, looking into Goshen, bzz, 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 bzz. nothing. Bzz, 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 bzz. I mean, dramatic shift. How does that happen? God, who has all the power. And we also see that in that when Moses prayed and asked God to remove the flies, not one remained. Gone. Gone. God answered him. See, this is power. God has all the power, and because he has all the power, that means that nothing can stop his power. And I would guess that some of us listening right now, you are struggling because you, you don't really believe that God has all the power. 
Let me give you a couple of examples I thought might be helpful. We can think that our guilt can stop God's power. You may think, well, I know God forgives, but there's this thing that happened 10 years ago that, duh, you know, or whatever it might be. We can think that our guilt can stop God's power. But understand, Jesus' death on the cross pays for all the sins, past sins, present sins, future sins, all the sins of all those who trust Jesus as their Savior, as their Lord, their Master, and as their all-satisfying treasure. So because you're trusting Jesus Christ now, this is just amazing to think about. Just see it. See it afresh. Because you're trusting Jesus Christ right now, all your sins, all those past sins, even that one, all of them, all your present sins, the things you're still struggling with even right now this morning, all those, and all your future sins, all your sins, Jesus said, it is finished on the cross. So God's power has made a way for every sin to be forgiven. So, confess your sin. Put your trust in Jesus. Trust him as a savior. Trust him as, as Lord, master. Trust him as your all-satisfying treasure and receive a fresh assurance that you are completely forgiven. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No punishment ever. Your future just looks glorious forever because of God's power in making a way for there to be forgiveness. Also, our temptations can't stop God's power. Temptations can be strong, right? Temptations can be brutal. Oh, they can be a battle to fight. Tooth and nail, take no prisoners. It's, it's war, isn't it? But no temptation can stop God's power. So, when you're tempted, fight by crying out to God to help. Help me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I believe. Help my unbelief. Set me free. You promised that if I abide in your word, I'll know the truth and your word will set me free. Come and set me free. As we pray those prayers, the all-powerful God is hearing and moving toward you with the power that you need. So pray and then preach God's word to yourself. Preach promises to yourself. Preach the truth of who God is, of what he's promised, of his power, of how he will help, that he is all satisfying and the world will never satisfy us compared to how knowing God in Christ can satisfy us. So preach those promises, those truths to yourself and watch God change your heart. He will. Every time he will. It is a battle. It is war, but he will. Okay, I got to move along here. All right, now two more. Someone's hard heart can't stop God's power. Here's someone you've been praying for to come to faith. Someone you've been sharing the gospel with. Someone you've been serving, loving, and befriending. And they just are not responding. Understand, God has the power to change the hardest heart. He changed ours. He can change any heart. So 
Keep loving this person. Keep serving this person. Keep praying for this person. Keep sharing the gospel with this person. Understand, God can change the hardest heart. So just keep reaching out to them with the good news of Jesus. And then just one last example. Your seemingly hopeless situation can't stop God's power. You are not in a hopeless situation. It might feel hopeless, and, and it does sometimes, right? It, it really does sometimes feel hopeless, but it is not hopeless. And God's power is at work. God has a plan for what's going on. He has a purpose for what's happening. Great, great good is coming out of the seemingly hopeless situation. So trust him. Ask for his help. Persevere. Be steadfast. Be patient. And watch what God does. He will turn that hopeless situation around. He promises to. He will do that. Okay, so church, five crucial truths to help us understand this spiritual battle and to help us move ahead in this spiritual battle. First of all, Satan can work false signs and wonders. Let's not ever be deceived along that line. Secondly, obeying God can make things worse, but only at first. Okay, so keep obeying. People's choices are under God's control. So if somebody is doing something hurtful to you, that's not random or meaningless. Even that has been purposefully ordained by God, and great good is coming to you through that. Sin can powerfully deceive us. Oh, let's be humble about that and be aware of how easily we can be deceived and pray and open the scriptures and ask our brothers and sisters for help, and nothing can stop God's power. Nothing. Not temptation, not guilt, not someone's hard heart, and not your seemingly hopeless situation. Nothing can stop God's power. Let's stand together. I want to pray. Father, I pray that you would take these five truths and that right now you would just stir each of our hearts with which one in particular you want us to focus on, which one in particular we need the most. I pray that you would strengthen our faith. I pray that you would show us your power. I pray that you'd humble us with how we can be deceived. I pray that we would see your sovereignty over even the harmful things people might be doing to us. And Lord, if we've been obeying you and things have, gotten, have gone wrong, help us see that's just at first and that you are in control. You are going to work. You are going to fulfill all your promises. God, strengthen your people with this now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.